Welcome to the One for the Money podcast. I'm your host, Johnny West. I'm a certified financial planner, and here I will teach you the tips, tricks, and strategies I use to help others retire early. This is the easy button when it comes to early retirement. Everything you want or need to know is right here. I'm so glad you join us on the show. Welcome to episode 13 of the One for the Money podcast. I'm always glad and grateful you have taken the time to listen. In today's episode, I'll be sharing thoughts from a personal finance book I read last summer. So yes, it's essentially a book report, but the book entitled The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel is really fascinating, and I think you'll find it both interesting and helpful. And in the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast, I'll share a tip about the B word, as in budgeting. Thank you for listening. Now on with the show. Morgan Housel is a former columnist at The Motley Fool and The Wall Street Journal, and in 2020, wrote the book, The Psychology of Money. And a short time ago, he was featured on Tim Ferriss's podcast, where he discussed this book at length, and that's one of the more popular podcasts in the world. Now, I read this book last summer and at the time made a list of some really interesting points and perspectives that he provided in the book. Now, Morgan Housel explains that the premise of the book is this, that doing well with money has little to do with how smart you are and a lot to do with how you behave, and that behavior is hard to teach even to really smart people. He goes on to say that a genius who loses control of their emotions can be a financial disaster, whereas the opposite is also true. Ordinary folks with no financial education can be wealthy if they have a handful of behavioral skills that have nothing to do with formal measures of intelligence. Now, Morgan Housel goes on to underscore this point with the tale of two very different investors. The first is a gentleman by the name of Ronald James Reed. And he was born in rural Vermont, and he just graduated high school. His life was really low-key. He fixed cars at a gas station for 25 years, swept floors at JCPenney for another 17. He was widowed at 50 and never remarried. And his friends said that his favorite activity was chopping firewood. Well, he died in 2014 at the age of 92. And that's when he made international headlines. And that's because he died with a net worth of over $8 million. He had left $2 million to his stepkids and another $6 million to his local hospital and library. Now, his friends and those that knew him well were baffled by this because they wondered where he got all this money. Now, there was no lottery win or inheritance that received. Rather, This gentleman saved what little he could and invested it in blue chip stocks, and then he waited for decades on end, and his tiny savings compounded it into more than $8 million, which is absolutely remarkable. Now, the other gentleman that Morgan Housel gives as an example is a Richard Fuscon, who was everything Ronald Reed was not. Now, Richard Fuscon was Harvard-educated and a Merrill Lynch executive with an MBA from Harvard. He had a successful career in finance, and he retired in his 40s to become a philanthropist. 
Now, in the mid-2000s, Fuscone borrowed heavily to expand an 18,000-square-foot home in Greenwich, Connecticut that had 11 bedrooms, two elevators, two pools, seven garages, and cost more than $90,000 a month just to maintain. Then the 2008 financial crisis hit. All this high debt and illiquid assets left him bankrupt, and he explained to a judge that he currently had no income. So first, they foreclosed on his Palm Beach property. Then in 2014, it was his Greenwich Mansion's turn. And this was five months before Ronald Reed had left his fortune to charity of $6 million. Now, his house in Greenwich, Connecticut was foreclosed at auction for 75% less than the insurance company figured it was worth. Now, Morgan Housel explains that Ronald Reed was patient, Richard Fuscone was greedy, and that's all it took to eclipse the massive education and experience gap between the two. And Morgan Housel goes on to explain, and I really love this point that he makes, in what other industry does someone with no college degree, no training, no background, no formal experience, and no connections massively outperform someone with the best education, the best training, and the best connections? And that's really the premise of his book about the psychology of money. And another point that Mr. Housel makes is that health and money are the two things that impact everyone, whether they like it or not. And yet, despite these similarities, we've seen a divergence in the outcomes. While health has improved for centuries and made remarkable advancements and improvements in people's lives, but in finance, not so much. All the research has not made us better investors or better savers, which makes sense since money is really far too emotional. In 2006, economists via consumer finance surveys found that people's lifetime investment decisions are heavily anchored to the experiences those investors had in their own generation, especially experiences in their early adult life. Now, if inflation was high, people invested less in bonds throughout their lifetime. If the stock market was strong, you invested more in stocks. Now, this was true for me because I started investing in the late 90s, and that was really at the start of the dot-com era. And for that same reason, I still invest heavily in stocks, albeit I do so very differently than I did then. Before, I purchased single stocks hoping they'd outperform but now I use evidence-based research and invest in broadly diversified portfolios. I also see this when I review people's investments. And in the industry, we call it investor bias. Uh, Too much is invested in the stock of the company you work for, or too much is invested in the country you live in. I was just talking with a gentleman this week, and he was saying that Canadian financial planners invest far too much in Canadian stocks. I'll see this with people who work in certain industries. People that work in pharma or biotech invest too much in those industries, or those that work in tech invest too much in tech. And those who work in real estate invest too much in real estate. Morgan Howes also made some various points regarding how Americans just don't make smart decisions about money. And the example he cites are lottery tickets. And this baffled me. You know, Americans spend more on lottery tickets than movies, video games, music, 
sporting events, and books combined. And sadly, you know, many lower caste people only believe this to be the way out of poverty. Now, another point he made that I hadn't appreciated is how new saving for retirement is. We've only had 401k since 1978 and Roth IRAs since 1998. So in a sense, we're all fairly new. Finally, he made some great points about money and happiness. Very similar to what I shared in my inaugural episode entitled Start With Why. And that people who have control over their time are the happiest and that in reality, happiness is just results minus expectations, which I really enjoyed because if you ask my older two boys what I often tell them what the secret of life is, they will tell you I say low expectations. And this is especially true when it comes to surfing. You know, my favorite days surfing are when my expectations are the lowest. And that's mostly because I'm not a very good surfer. Mr. Housel also shared that although happiness is a complicated subject because everyone's different, there is a common denominator in happiness. And he calls it the universal fuel of joy. And it's that people want to control their lives. And he says that the ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want is priceless. And that's the highest dividend money can pay. And he also shares some 30 lessons on living from gerontologist Carl Palmer, who interviewed a thousand elderly Americans at the end of their life to see what made them the happiest in their respective lifetime. And again, this is the emphasis on how money doesn't make you happy, but it can provide the conditions that do. He said this in his research, Not one, not a single person out of the thousand they interviewed said that to be happy, you should try to work as hard as you can to make money to buy the things you want. Not one, not a single person said it's important to be at least as wealthy as the people around you. And if you have more than they do, it's a real success. Not one, not a single person out of that thousand said you should choose your work based on your desired future earning potential. And finally, He said that of those thousand people that he interviewed, the thing that they did value most were quality friendships, being part of something bigger than themselves, and spending quality, unstructured time with their children. I'll finish up my book review with some general financial advice that Morgan Housel had provided in the book. And this is something I thought was really great. He said that while planning is important, that the most important part of every plan is to plan on the plan, not going according to plan. And that's because life changes and we need to make adjustments. He also said that people try to get a couple percent higher returns on their investments when really what they need to do is just reduce lifestyle bloat. So it's just people spending more or getting accustomed to spending more each year. And finally, he said, if you want to do better as an investor, the single most powerful thing you can do is increase your time horizon, which I explained with the Kid Roths in earlier podcast episodes. Well, thank you for listening. I do hope you found this book review interesting. If you want to read more, you can find Mr. Housel's book wherever books are sold, which is basically Amazon. Now on to the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast.
In today's tip, trick, and strategy portion of the podcast, I will highlight an excellent point made by Morgan Housel in his book, The Psychology of Money, where he stated that people really strive hard to get a couple percent higher returns when they really just need to reduce lifestyle bloat. And the tip here is to regularly review your expenses to see if they make sense. And in fact, according to a recent study, adults in the U.S. spend nearly $1,500 a month on non-essential items. And this was according to research commissioned by Ladder and conducted by OnePoll. Now, all told, that's roughly $18,000 a year on things we could probably all do without. And that's a lot of money considering the extent to which Americans are letting their savings and other crucial goals fall by the wayside. Let me share a recent example. I was reviewing a client's expenses and noticed that their cable slash internet bill seemed pretty high for an elderly retired couple. Upon further inspection, I found that they were paying between $100 and $125 a month extra for features they didn't even know they had. They had a premier movie channel subscription that they had never watched and were paying for two digital video recorders that they had never used, nor did they know where they were located. Now, this had been the case for years until they had become a client and I reviewed their budget. Now, of course, those extra expenses sadly were likely the result of the persuasive charm of some cable salesman, but I was able to reduce their bill by over $100 a month when they called the cable company. Now back to the results of the survey. 58% of the people surveyed believed that there were important things that they were unable to afford. Some of these included saving money for retirement. Others included life insurance. And for those that don't have life insurance, the top reason for not having it was they thought it was too expensive, which with term life insurance just isn't the case. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a few luxuries here and there to make life enjoyable. But unfortunately, Americans are spending a small fortune on things that are really taking away their opportunity to save, you know, for the future, for retirement, or protect their family with life insurance. Now, there's a breakdown of these non-essential items. Restaurant meals was over $200 a month. Drinks at nearly $200 a month. Takeout or delivery, over $175 a month. Um, impulse purchase was over $100 a month. Maybe ride shares were over $100 a month. And the list goes on. So a lot of things to consider and you could cut back on. Another example was coffee or even bottled water, which kind of baffles me that, you know, we live in a first world country and there's a lot of money spent on bottled water. I know it tastes slightly better, but, you know, it all ends up in the same place. Anyway, so the tip is to check your budget and to make sure you're not wasting your money or at least not too much of it. Again, I hope you found this helpful and thank you for listening. All the best. Take care. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that no one builds wealth by accident. If you want to learn more about how to build wealth to retire early, head on over to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
to determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Johnny West is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.